Acts chapter 12. Uh, I'd invite you to stand if you're able to. Um, if you're not able to, understand. No problem. It's a longer passage, so um, feel free to do what you're, what you're able to do. But I'll read Acts chapter 12 for us and then pray. So about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea, and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man! Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Would you join me as we 
pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your very words. Lord, we are so blessed and so grateful and so thankful that we have your very words in our hands. Your very words that we were able to um, just read through and hear. And we, we're so thankful that you've given us your word that points us to Jesus and points us to life in him. And so we ask, Lord God, that as we uh, walk through our text this morning that you've given us, that um, you would give us um, eyes uh, to see, uh, ears to hear, and hearts that embrace the truth of, of who you are and uh, your goodness to us, your grace to us, and your mercy to us. And we ask that you would encourage us as we're here this morning uh, to hear from you. So Lord, I ask uh, just again that you would not allow me to be in the way, but that you would be honored and you'd be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, how, many, how many of us have ever had a bad day? <laughs> Why do you laugh? Is today one of those? <laughs> We've all had a bad day, right? A bad day can start, can start anyway. Sometimes it's just a stubbing your toe as you're getting out of bed. Maybe the dog chewed on your shoes, or you had a flat tire on the way to work, or, or sometimes it's more dramatic in the sense of sometimes maybe someone's speaking bad things to you or about you. We've all, we've all had bad days, haven't we? And sometimes we have bad weeks, don't we? Sometimes we have bad months or even bad years. Sometimes we have difficult times that we walk through. But in the midst of, of difficult times that we're walking through, what helps us greatly in those times is that we can see that there's an end in sight, right? We can see that there's hope, that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that, that tomorrow will come, that this too shall pass. We need encouragement, don't we, brothers and sisters? And, and we're in a text today that, that I believe is just a great encouragement for us. They were in a text today that, that's encouraging to us, that, that's reassuring to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And that it's encouraging to us and reassuring to us that we, we see in our text that God works in the midst of difficulty. And specifically that God works in the midst of, of opposition. God works in the midst of opposition. Now we, we see as we just read in our, our passage here that uh, the, the believers, the Christians, that they're now called, we just saw at the end of chapter 11 that they're for the first time called Christians. We saw a couple weeks ago. And so the Christians here uh, in, in their text are, are facing hard times, aren't they? They're facing hard times. We just read they're, they're facing persecution. They're facing martyrdom. They're facing uh, hiding. They're in hiding. They're, they're facing imprisonment. Uh, difficult times are on the Christians uh, in our text today, that, that it's difficult to be a Christian. And brothers and sisters, that's true for us today. It's difficult to be a Christian. It's difficult to, to walk with Christ. And so I, I pray that this would be as encouraging to you uh, as it has been to me as I've prayed and, and studied and walked through this text today. Uh, the encouragement that, that God works in the midst of opposition. Amen? God works in the midst of opposition. Uh, our, our text today, uh, the, the setting for our text is Jerusalem, and the antagonist in our text is, is Herod that we just read of. Um, we see Herod is the one who, who's the ruler, he's the king at this time, and, 
And the Herod here is Herod Agrippa I. And so Herod Agrippa was the grandson of Herod the Great. If you remember, Herod the Great was the one who uh, ordered that, that all the baby boys be killed when Jesus was born because he saw Jesus as a baby as being a threat to him and to his kingdom. Uh, he's also, Herod Agrippa is the, the nephew of Herod Antipas. You remember, he was the one who had John the Baptist beheaded because John the Baptist called him out on his sin. And so we, we're, 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 our antagonist today is Herod Agrippa. This is the Herod that we're talking about today. And the Herod in our text, we see here that uh, he's one who's, who's wanting um, uh, popularity with the Jewish people. Uh, he's, he's, he's persecuting and attacking Christians while also seeking popularity with those who are, are Jews. And, and in seeking his popularity with the Jewish people who are, who are very suspicious of the growing Christian movement, the Jewish leaders did not uh, like or appreciate or embrace. They were antagonistic and hostile towards the growing uh, number of Christians and those who were seeking to follow Christ and live for Christ. And in seeking popularity with these Jewish leaders and these Jewish people, Herod, we see here, has James murdered, has James martyred because he's a Christian. Uh, James here is uh, James, the brother of John. Uh, if we remember, he was uh, one of the sons of thunder. Can't forget that one, right? Son of thunder. He, he's the cousin of Jesus, if we remember too. Uh, and, and James uh, here is, is the first apostle who's recorded as being a martyr for Jesus Christ. The first of the apostles. The second recorded martyr that we have behind Stephen but the first uh, martyr of the apostles. And, and Herod kills James, and his popularity with the Jewish people skyrockets, doesn't it? His popularity is boosted. And so in seeking to gain even more popularity, we see that Herod has Peter arrested as well. Herod has Peter arrested and puts him in jail, in prison. And we see that all this happens during the Days of Unleavened Bread, uh, the Days of Unleavened Bread was when a time when many Jews would have been in Jerusalem. So there, there were more Jews in Jerusalem than would have, have normally been the case. And so to arrest Peter during this time would have boosted his popularity. And the plan that Herod has is to um, have Peter in prison, and then that's now Passover. And as soon as Passover is over, to, to have Peter tried in a kangaroo court again, but to have him tried and then executed. Uh, because for the Jews to, to have someone executed during the Passover would have just been absolutely horrendous, would have been abhorrent to them. And seeking popularity, Herod doesn't want that to happen, does he? And so, so Herod has Peter arrested, has him put in prison. And so the, the Christians are, are, are facing um, much difficulty. Is is they're being persecuted, is they're being murdered, is they're being put in prison, and, and even their, their, their leader now, Peter, is in prison, and we see he's, he's heavily, heavily guarded. His leader is heavily guarded. We see he's there. Herod orders four squads of soldiers. You know, squads of soldiers. It would have been a total of 16 soldiers. There would have been four soldiers on duty uh, at any given time. Uh, we see in verse 6 of our text that Peter would have been chained uh, to two soldiers, one on each side. 
And then two soldiers would have been placed at the, the gates on lookout. And they would have rotated shifts every three hours so that the guards were fresh and were alert and were awake. And so Herod is, is, is pressing the Christians and seeking to boost his popularity as it pleases the Jews to see Christians uh, persecuted in this manner. And as the, the church, as our brothers and sisters in the early church are, fa- are facing these difficulties, what do we see them doing? What do we see them doing? In verse 5, we see this. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made to God by the church. So in the midst of, of facing these persecutions, in the midst of facing martyrdom, in the midst of, of facing these stressful, stressful times, just because they're followers of Christ, just because they're trusting in the work of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and living for Jesus Christ. They're facing these times and they, they come to God in prayer. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but this is just a, a great reminder for me, and I pray it is for you too, that when we, when we face difficult times, and in particular opposition, because we're Christians, do we go to, go to God in prayer initially? I think far too often our knee-jerk reactions are to be angry, right? To be frustrated, uh, to, to sulk, to be disappointed, to be, to be upset, to be distracted, to be fearful. We see our brothers and sisters here uh, giving us a great example of, of going to God in prayer. That when we're pinched, when we're opposed because we're following Jesus Christ, the greatest thing we can do is come before our great God. Amen? To cry out to God, to plead for God, for His work to be done, and for His will to be done. To come to God, the God who created the universe and sustains the universe, who holds everything in His hands. We, we have direct access to God in prayer. Isn't that awesome? Anytime, anywhere, we can come to God in prayer. And we see our brothers and sisters doing this in our text. And may this be true of us too, that when we are, are facing difficulty, when we're facing opposition, may we be people who, who call out to God in desperation when things aren't well. Be people who cry out to God. Because one of the things we see in our text is that we see the, our, our brothers and sisters here coming to God in prayer. And we see that prayer is, is one of the, the catalysts, one of the leading activities for the miraculous work that God's going to do in rescuing Peter. Prayer works. Amen? Not like a genie in a bottle, right? We don't get our wishes or all of our dreams come true, right? Napoleon fans, our dreams don't come true. But prayers are crying out to God that His will would be done, that He would be honored, and that he would work in great ways. And our brothers and sisters are doing this in the midst of opposition that they're facing. And in verses 6, and six through 10, we see that God works in ways that we can't even imagine. We see that uh, Peter is rescued uh, the night before his, his upcoming trial, before his upcoming execution. And we see that he's, he's sleeping, which... I don't know about you, but given the circumstances, would you be sleeping? <laughs> you, you'd know what's going to happen. And yet, Peter's sleeping. He's asleep, resting in God. 
And as he is sleeping and, and bound with, with two soldiers on, on each side, um, an angel of the Lord stands next to him and a bright light fills the room. And one of the, the cool things that I've studied too, um, commentators agree that when you see like a picture of a bright light in Scripture, it always points to the fact that this is a, a divine act of God. That this is, this is God working in a great and miraculous way. And, and we see that happening here, don't we? Angel comes in and appears in a bright light to Peter. And, and we see that the angel strikes Peter on the side to wake him up. Not just a simple tap. He's sleeping pretty soundly, isn't he? Parents, you know this, right? When you're sleeping and kids wake up and they're scared and you're out. It takes a lot to wake you up sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> Obviously it took a lot to wake up Peter. And, and the angel wakes up Peter and, and gives him instructions to, to get up, to, to put on your cloak, put on your sandals, and, and to follow him. And, and we see that Peter does just that. He, he puts on his cloak and follows him. And we see too in our text that, that Peter's chains just fall off. Uh, we see that the gates just open. And, and this, this whole time, Peter, Peter doesn't sense that this is even real, does he? He senses he's just seen a vision. Until ultimately, the end of verse 10, the angel leaves him alone on the street and, and disappears once he releases him, rescues him from prison. When I was reading this text again, it just reminded me, it was a few years ago I read um, uh, Brother Yun's book, Heavenly Man. Um, I, I know I've mentioned it before, but he's a, a pastor in China who was persecuted heavily for many, many years. And I remember when I read uh, his biography, uh, he, he told of a story that, that made me think of this in particular, that in, in 1997, one of his, his moments of being um, tortured for Jesus Christ, for, for being a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, in 1997, he was put in a maximum security prison in China and was beaten and tortured uh, so severely that, that his legs were mangled. And uh, for six weeks, he couldn't even, couldn't even stand, uh, couldn't walk. But sensed that, that God was telling him it was time for him to escape. And uh, another brother who was in prison with him just simply said to him something to the effect of the time is now or something. And Brother Yun tells how he stood up with his mangled legs, um, asked one of the guards if he could use the restroom. He said, sure. And Brother Yun just kept walking. And doors opened before him. Gates opened before him. Guards simply looked straight through him. And when he got to the, to the big gate leading into the, the entire facility, it opened in front of him and he walked out and a taxi cab pulled up, opened the door and said, where to? Isn't that amazing? 1997, 20 years ago, the same God who, who does the same thing in Acts works in the same ways. Amen? Isn't that encouraging to you? That, that God works in the midst of opposition. God works in the midst of, of difficulty and struggle that we face. God's at work, and he's working for his glory and for his honor. We see uh, in verse 11 that, that Peter ultimately comes to, came to himself, and he, he worships God. 
He worships God, that, that God sent his angel to rescue him, that God sent his angel to, to, to save him from Herod and to save him from um, the, the hand of the Jews who are wanting to uh, uh, hurt him, who are wanting to kill him, uh, because they're, they're not at all pleased with him. They're unhappy with him because of who he is, because of who he believes in, because of who he stands for. And we know that that's true today too still, isn't it, brothers and sisters? We know that that's true, don't we? That when we're, we're people who trust in Jesus Christ, when we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that when we confess him as Lord and we're seeking to live for him, there are many people who won't, won't like us. Our, our worldview is different, isn't it? It should be. We should be different. And just because of the fact that we're different and just because of the fact that we're trusting in Christ and following Christ, people won't like us for that. Just as we see happening with Peter in our text today. But God, God is a good God. And he's always working, even in the midst of all that we're walking through. We see in verses 12 through 17, as Peter continues on, he goes to the house of Mary we read. Mary is the, the mother of uh, John, whose other name is Mark, we see. John, who's also called, called Mark. And uh, it's, it's believed that um, uh, Mary's a widow at this point because her husband's not mentioned, and it's believed that, that she was one who um, housed a house church at the time. And so we see here that, that, that Peter comes to, to this home uh, of Mary, where there are brothers and sisters gathered together uh, for worship. And as Peter gets there, he, he knocks on the door, and servant girl Rhoda comes to answer the door. And in her joy at recognizing Peter's voice, she leaves him there and runs to tell everyone that Peter's here. Isn't that cool? <laughs> she leaves Peter there to go tell everyone that, that it's Peter. He's out of prison, and they believe her, don't they? No. They think she's crazy, don't they? They think she's out of her mind. They think she's hearing things and seeing things. And uh, one of the things I saw, too, as I was studying that we, we see the believers here coming together in prayer as Peter's in prison, but that we get the sense that they weren't necessarily praying for his release or for his escape, which I think is true. Given their, given their reaction, that they didn't believe her. They didn't want to believe her. It's like it wasn't even on their minds that they were praying for Peter to be released, other than maybe praying for just strength and for, for protection for him. Because God works in ways that they can't even imagine. God works in ways they can't imagine, and, and, and he does so continually today. And so she, she continues to, to try to encourage her, try to plead her case that it is Peter at the door. And ultimately they, they go and they, they uh, open the door and we see that Peter motions for them to be silent. I'm sure it was a pretty loud and raucous time when they saw Peter there, right? Could you imagine this their brother, leader of their church, who's been released from prison standing at their door? And so he, he tells them to, to quiet down and then tells them everything uh, that happened and tells them to, to go and tell James and the brothers and sisters what, what happened. And this is, the, this is the James that we have, um, the book of James 
in our Bible, the half-brother of Jesus, the one who's, who's called Camel Knees because he was constantly on his knees in prayer, uh, in devotion to God. And then we see that Peter, Peter, Peter left, likely went to a place of safety. God works in the midst of, of opposition. Amen? Do we, do we believe this, brothers and sisters? Do we believe this? Do we, do we believe that when we, when we pray, when we come to God, that he will work and that he will work in great ways? When we come to God in our, our, our crying out to him and in our, our despair, do we trust that, that he'll act in ways that are for our good and for his glory? Because he does. Amen? God works in the midst of, of opposition. God works in the midst of difficulty of, of following him and, and living for him. God works in the midst of that. And I, and I pray that we'd be encouraged to, to, to see that truth of, of Scripture today. And then verses 18 through 19, and we continue on in our text as well. Um, these are kind of Daryl Bach, one of the commentators I was looking at, said these kind of have the feel of like a TV show and something big just happened and it's kind of like, a, and back at the ranch, here's what's going on. <laughs> because we see here in verses 18 and 19 that uh, there's no little disturbance among the soldiers because Peter's gone. Right? There's, things are pretty unsettled. Things are, are, are upset. And, and Herod's searching for Peter who had this, or had uh, 16 guards to watch over him, disappears somehow. And the Herod searches for him, doesn't find him, and then has the, the guards who were placed over him executed. And this would have been traditional uh, practice for uh, Romans as well, that if, if a prisoner escaped under your watch, you, you would face the, the judgment of that prisoner. And so there's actually lots of stories of guards who... Uh, themselves killed prisoners who were trying to escape so that they would not be um, executed themselves. And so Herod has them uh, executed, and then uh, we see he goes from Judea to Caesarea. If you remember, it's Caesarea Maritima, which is where the, the Roman headquarters uh, are at. And then in verses 20 through 23, we see God's dramatic judgment against Herod. We see that God dramatically judges Herod. Uh, we see that Herod, having gone back home, he's, he's angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and we don't, know, we don't know why he's angry. We don't know what the purpose is for that. Um, but, but we do know that Tyre and Sidon were coastal cities that were north of Israel uh, that were dependent on Israel's grain for their food. And so uh, in their... Uh, uh, dependence upon Israel and their grain for their food, we see that when Herod gets up to speak, they stroke his ego, don't they? Herod gets up to speak and they're, they're, they're calling him as, as though he's a god and not simply a, a man. He's not just a mere mortal. And when Herod doesn't rebuke them, he's struck down dead by God because Herod wants to take the glory for himself rather than giving the glory to God doesn't he? And we see here that God will, God will not give his glory to another, will he? That God won't, won't allow his glory to be given 
to another. One of the, um, one of the books I'm reading right now is um, The Glory of Heaven by John MacArthur. And talks, uh, he talks about what Scripture says about what heaven is like. And uh, one of the sections I just finished, he, he talks about how in the end of, end of Isaiah and how in Revelation we see that, which is hard for us to wrap our minds around, we see that in the day of judgment when God is pouring out his wrath, upon sinful people, wicked people, will be rejoicing with God. They will be rejoicing that, that good prevails, that God wins, that he is glorious, and that he is mighty. And we see just a, a small glimpse of that here in, in God's executing judgment on Herod, who sought to be glorified himself rather than glorifying and, and honoring God. And then we see our last two verses of our text that in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of this opposition and difficulty, the word of God increases. Amen? The word of God increases and multiplies. The gospel message goes out. The good news of Jesus Christ continues on, even in the midst of opposition. And brothers and sisters, if, if the gospel didn't continue to go out, didn't continue to increase and didn't continue to spread, we wouldn't be here today as followers of Jesus Christ. Because of what God has done in being faithful to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are all, each one of us, sinful people desperately in need of a Savior. And that Jesus came to earth as that Savior to die in our place, to take all of our sin on himself, to die in our place and to take the, the punishment that we deserve. When we trust in Christ and his work, submit to him and surrender to him, we're given life and salvation. Amen? We're saved. The gospel message continues to go out, continues to increase, even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of, of difficulty and struggle and trial of living for Christ. On November 5th, uh, 2017, um, a man walked into First Baptist Church in a small town in Texas, a town of 600 called Sutherland Springs. And he opened fire. He had three, three guns and opened fire and killed 26 of the people who were there worshiping that day. Um, I probably remember hearing this in the news just a couple of years ago. It became nationwide and worldwide news. Um, gunmen came in and, and killed 26 of, of the people who were there worshiping. Uh, one, one particular young woman lost her, her husband, uh, lost her 17-month-old daughter. Um, another woman lost, just her alone, she lost nine family members in that horrific incident. Uh, it rocked this small town of 600 they, they were targeted simply because they were, were Christians and were there worshiping together that day. But God works in great ways, brothers and sisters. Today, that church that 26 were, were killed, that was about half of their membership. About 50 to 60 people would be there on a Sunday morning worshiping. Today, about 200 every Sunday. Because God... God works in the midst of opposition and struggle and difficulty. 
God's worked in the midst of, of that situation and that instance to, to draw people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That you and that I and that each person that walks this earth needs life in Christ. And while a horrific incident, God works in great ways, doesn't he? Amen? We have a good God, brothers and sisters, that no matter what we're walking through as we face difficulty in living for Christ, as we face opposition in living for Christ, we're in his hands. Amen? He's holding us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's encouraging us. And I pray that that you're encouraged uh, by this text this morning as well, that God works in the midst of opposition. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We praise you that you are great and mighty God and that you are constantly working. Even so often we don't recognize or, or see what we ask for is forgiveness to our own blindness, for our own um, uh, selves and how we can just get caught up in what's going on in our own world. But we praise you that you're always working. Thank you for the ways that you show us that you're working as well. We pray that you would give us, give us eyes that see you at work. Pray that you would give us hearts that, that rest in you, that, that cling to you, and that uh, see you working. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to, to rest in Jesus, the one who, who came to save us and to give us life. Help us to rest in you and to continue to be on mission for you to continue to shine for you and to, to make Jesus known to a lost and dying world. We're so thankful that you've opened our eyes, Lord. We, we confess there's nothing special about us at all. And so we thank you for showing us Jesus and for, for helping us to surrender to you. And we ask that you'd use us so that others would also too come to know you, Jesus. So we love you and we pray that as we, we continue to uh, worship here this morning together, as brothers and sisters, that we would worship you and praise you for the life that we have in Christ and that your gospel message would continue to powerfully and dramatically go out. So use us in that effort as well, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.